What is up, you guys, and welcome back to episode 40, the big four zero of the Lombard Trucking Show. I'm coming at you live from the Ohio Indiana border here at one of my favorite stops. I've actually met a few friends here. Shout out to my buddy Brad, if you're listening. Hope you're getting after it tonight at a loves in Richmond, Indiana. There's always plenty of parking here. I do like stopping here. And uh, like I've mentioned before, truck parking is at a minimum. Uh, There is a shortage of it. But as you drive cross country, you start to learn where you can find good places to park. And I know that after five o'clock, there's still plenty open. Uh, If you have been following along on social media, um, it's been a while since my last episode uh, because I did, like I mentioned in the last episode, I've started with Warren Transport. Uh, They have an orientation process. I went through that. I uh, learned a lot about securement because I'm working with chains and binders, whole new avenue of trucking, uh, do, working in oversized freight and moving on an open deck trailer. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Took my first load out, a uh, tractor and a set of duels, John Deere, made right in Waterloo, Iowa, went out to the port of Baltimore. That'll go on a ship to South, South Africa. And from there, I got a reload right back out of the port from Baltimore from John Deere's made in Germany. Uh, and those will actually be going to a John Deere dealership in South Dakota. I'll make another episode to talk about Warren on the side because they're a very good company. And I want any owner, operator or contractor or anybody out there who might be struggling to uh, listen to what I have to say about Warren because it might be a good choice for you to come. But without further ado, as you can see, if you are watching, not listening, I have a guest with me today. And uh, this is a pretty awesome guest. And I'm, I'm super glad he's here. If you If you can't tell... Uh, and if you are watching it, whether on YouTube or on Spotify, you can see he has a name in the corner. And our names are very similar, actually, exactly alike. Um, but we're actually not related, which uh, actually we were talking before I start, started the show. And actually, we, him and I have almost lived parallel lives, I seen. We, we, him and I, I could tell right off the bat by talking. We definitely have a lot in common, especially with kind of how our families came over to the country from Italy. But um, we crossed paths on Instagram. He found me. I don't know that full story yet, actually. And he's about to share it with me. So without further ado, for the listeners out there, uh, uh, Corey Lombard. Welcome yeah. to the Lombard Trucking Show, brother. Yeah, Glad that's a hell of an you. intro, man. Thank you. Oh, appreciate uh, that. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate it. I've been really looking forward to this. I meet my uh, my brother from, from another mother here. Um, and like you said, it was over Instagram. That's kind of how our relationship started, if you want to call it that. And then... We found some similar commonalities that we'll talk about, obviously, tonight. Um, and got to know each other to this point, and you invited me on. So I appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, um, kind of funny story. And I'm, and I'm not going to say I came up with this idea before you. But you're, you're the king of this, and this is how I actually found, found you on Instagram. So my buddies and I have always joked about rating bathrooms. And we've always said, yeah, we should get into the rating bathrooms thing. You know, you got... Dave Portnoy, barstool guy doing like the pizza reviews and he's got the decimal system. So we always joked about, we'd rate bathrooms from a scale from one to five cakes, like urinal cakes. So like all this bathrooms, are uh, 3.3 cakes. We used oh, to joke about it, but that. nobody, nobody ever did it. Take it, please. Nobody ever did it. And so I was aimlessly scrolling on Instagram. Like I find myself doing and I hate it. And I know we'll probably talk about social media later yeah. tonight as well. Um, and I came up on one of your bathroom reviews and so I'm watching it. I was like, oh, my God, this guy right here, he's doing what we've been talking about. And you're doing it at a truck stop, which made it even better. Like, you're not going to find a, a 4.8 cake bathroom at a truck stop, I would assume. Maybe you have. I don't know that. 
But I mean, you're going through the, the bathroom and I sent it to all my friends. I was like, look at this guy. He's doing what we've always talked about. Nobody ever did it. And my cousin was one of the people that I sent it to. And he happens to be a guest and, and call into a podcast that you also join, whether you want to say what that is or not, you know, which one I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Our uh, boys, our boys over at hard factor news. Some of them get into this every now and then. Oh yeah. Definitely give them the spotlight. I love, love those boys. Yeah. And so my cousin James uh, reached out to me. He's like, dude, this guy calls into the podcast that I listen to. He's the man. You had the same last name as me. So I just friended you. And I started watching your videos. Um, and I know we'll segue into this eventually pretty shortly here. Uh, I used to be in the logistics industry. Uh, we just had a lot of similarities. So like all that kind of paired together. And then we'd randomly message each other on Instagram. You'd put up something like working out. And I love your, your fitness message and journey. I'm very passionate about fitness as well. Um, and so, yeah, we just kind of spark up a relationship that way. And then I think it was a week and a half ago, you had posted a funny meme on Instagram about TQL, Total Quality Logistics. And yeah. <laughs> I'm a former employee of Total Quality Logistics, TQL, yes, I'm a former truck broker. So we had that in common too. And so that's that's what brought me here tonight. Yeah, and I, and I'm it's it's crazy how it's a meme that got me to invite you on. I should have just yeah. initially had that idea just based off the last. Oh no, go for it! Mm -hmm. This is a this is a you know no holds bar zone. You can do anything you want here. I mean, I was I wish I could work out tonight too. Speaking of fitness, but it's it's raining out here. I might after this I might go for a, a little brisk walk. But okay. no, I, I think it's awesome that especially find it because that meme was funny because TCU got uh, absolutely so TC or. TQL is known in the industry as total quality liars. That's that's what people call them. And so that's why the meme was so funny because TCU got, you know, got, uh, you know, a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. called them frauds walking to the national championship and they got exposed uh -huh. by Georgia and Georgia made sure damn sure to keep running up the score. And so that's why it was funny. It was the the um, Scooby Doo of Fred opening the hood Pulling the mask and it, off yeah it was oh, TQL. TCU and it was TQL so yes yes I thought it was really <laughs> funny but you know I I actually I am surprised by that story because whenever I see like uh I guess the uh data the analytics for social media it'll say like a certain video has like 900 something views like I've only had a few reels pop off too like a couple TikToks get shot into trucker talk because people they have their own algorithms mm. um but like, so I don't, when I see nine, like 900 people view it, I always want, cause I don't know. I figure maybe it's just people who follow me who see it. I don't like, cause I don't see the other side of other people's uh -huh. screens. So I'm, yeah. I always wonder like, is there a stranger? Cause I, cause it, you could, I could see who likes it and I'll go, I'll see the likes and everybody who likes it is somebody I follow or who follows me. But so I don't know if anybody's just mindlessly scrolling and see it. And it's just, it's wild to even think and also kind of scary to think that the algorithm knew yes. to shoot it, shoot it into your phone. And not 100%. only that, not only that, that link back to your cousin who listens to Hard Factor because Hard Factor, you know, they used to be with Barstool and now they're on their own. Um, they're not, they are big. They do have, you know, 50,000, over 50,000 Instagram. They, they are bigger. They're monetized pretty well off it but there's still it's still kind of a niche like we talk in the discord server so it's crazy to think that it all came full circle with that and almost a little scary with the social media thing but i know yeah. I, I i appreciate the uh the, the kind words on what i'm trying to put out there like i said i, I said on the last episode and i, I want to say it again that's a big reason why i want to have you on we all know that social media is probably ripping society apart from limb from limb it's basically why uh you know that's basically why a lot of the 
un, a civil unrest has happened like throughout the world. We know that from documentaries, but social media is full of a lot of fraudulent people, fake, fake influencers, people who just like kind of buy their way into this. And really, you know, what it should be used for is like what it was its intended purpose to just socialize and yeah, to connect, to connect, have conversations yeah. and stuff like that. And so I feel as though that there's a lot. So there's a lot I want to do. I want to advocate for truckers and I want to advocate for truckers health. But at the same time, I want to I've mentioned this on several episodes that what you put into social media is like what you put in the environment. You dump oil in the river. You can't drink from that river. But and so when you put toxicity into social media, that's what's going to get circulated. It's not good for the environment. So I think what's good for the environment is to just you know, whether one person's listening or 50 or 100, whether no matter how many people are listening, just having conversations out there in the algosphere and on pod, you know, Spotify and these podcasts of just people talking and getting their real stories, because that's the thing. The people you meet and talk to in your day to day life, those are real people and none of them are famous. But you want to know what they're what they do is just as important, just as cool. And what you've got and what you do and your life is also important. So, and I definitely just wanted to, you know, definitely just shoot the shit and, and talk with you. So, I mean, let the, let's, let, let's talk, man. Let the listeners know who you are, you know, where you're from, where's your family from, you know, who, you know, who's, who's Corey Lombard. Cause I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm dying to know him. Yeah. Careful with an open-ended question like that. Cause I could, t- I could ramble for the next 60 minutes and I probably promise not to, but if I start doing it, dude, interrupt me. All right. Um, let's roll. Yeah. I, I, to kind of piggyback off what you just said, I really do agree with like your sentiments around social media. It's, it's been interesting because you and I are basically, I would assume of the same age. I'm 33. Are you going to share your age here? Just turned 33. All right. Happy belated, man. Look at this. All right. This is great. And so, you know, you and I saw like the creation of it and then the adoption of it. And then now the uh, addiction of it, kind of all these stages that we've been a part of from the beginning. And yeah, I agree with you. You, you know, you get out of it what you put into it a lot of the times, you know, you put oil in the water, don't drink the water. I, I really like that. I resonate with that. Um, but I mean, sometimes you got to find like the silver lining in it. Like you and I met off of social media and maybe that's another platform, you know, way for people to come familiar with your platform. Right. So there is some positivity in it, but it's almost woven so much, so deeply into like our everyday, everything about it. You're probably marketing on there and you're talking to friends on there. So like you're doing, doing business and pleasure, you know, professional and personal. It's like yeah, this learned, blend. Learned a lot about trucking, you know, met a lot of drivers. Yeah. Uh, you know, I met Gord on Twitter, who I had on a few episodes ago. Like I've met, it's helped me professionally in the industry. So there is a double-edged sword. It's, there's definitely good aspects to it without a doubt. Yeah. Um, but then just a segue about who is Corey Lombard again, very uh, open-end question here, but uh, in a succinct manner, um, born and raised in upstate New York. I'm from Rochester, New York. Uh, I went to skin, uh, school at Indiana University, so close to where you're at right now, oh, Blooming, you're, Bloomington. You're Hoosier. Yeah, I am a Hoosier. Hoosier. I'm a Hoosier through and through. Um, after I graduated, my first job outside of college was Total Quality Logistics or Total Quality Liars or TQ Hell. I don't know if you heard <laughs> that one. That's TQ Hell on <laughs> our end working there. Um, and then I started working for Marriott still in Chicago. I moved to San Diego opened a few hotels there, opened, uh, moved up to Orange County. So I was in Southern California for about seven years and just relocated to Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I absolutely love it here. I have some family here. It's good to be back on the East Coast. Um, I work fully remote right now, so I can kind of uh, move about the US and kind of 
live wherever I would like to, but just, you know, my time was over in California. That chapter came to a close and uh, it was just getting really expensive. I was really far away from my family. And so, yeah, now living in Charlotte, North Carolina, you ever run through here? Uh, I haven't run through Charlotte uh, itself besides the airport, which it's funny. My, my brother actually coined this because uh, Charlotte's airport code is CLT. So we always uh, call Charlotte the clit. Of course. Uh, yeah. You're not <laughs> the so that's, us, the, yeah. that's the nickname. I, so I haven't run through there. I've been through parts of like through um, North Carolina on I-40 through that like mountain pass yeah. down there going. Uh, I was headed towards Wilmington actually to deliver a okay. load. And I, and I lived in North Carolina when I was in the Marines. I was stationed at Camp Lejeune. Uh, got a lot of love for North Carolina, with the exception of their hockey team, who should have never mm. left Hartford, Connecticut. Mm. A little to poke that in there. But yep. you're in a great city, a city that is growing a lot. Talk about a good move. I think you have some family there that I've noticed on social media, so it's a good move. And you, you're right about the being back on the East Coast, because I was just in the Port of Baltimore, and there is such a familiar – even though I'm 300 miles from you know New Haven and Waterbury, where I'm from in Connecticut, um, when you're just on the East Coast – and this and, and discounting Florida, because when you're in Florida, you're on a whole nother planet. But like yeah, anywhere yeah. on the East Coast, I feel like I'm very familiar because I made I was up and down. And I know and you know people from all these different states, especially from the Marines. It's like there's such a familiarity of being there and knowing that, oh, I'm only X amount of time from this. So that's cool. You did this. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Southern California is nice. But, yeah, I mean, I live in Texas now. There's a lot of people who left for the same reason. I know. I know the, 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 the price down there. I mean, San Diego's not going to lie. You. But, you know, it's probably one of the most beautiful cities, if not the is. most beautiful in the country. But at this point, you're paying for the weather. Absolutely. You know, yeah. You're paying for the zip code there. Yeah. Yeah. The sunshine tax, they call it. And it's worth yeah. it. It really is. Like if you're making the money to live there, I, I always recommend to friends, family, you know, coworkers. If you haven't, if you ever have a chance to like get up and uproot yourself and move somewhere else, like outside of your comfort zone, do it. Just do it. You can always move back. You're going to learn something new. Uh, you're going to meet new friends, new people who you would call your family, right? Like you said, you knew a bunch of people up and down the coast and like, that's your family now, right? They're part of, of your network, your inner circle. And so I always tell people, listen, just do it once or twice in your life. Like give it a try and you'll kind of like see what you're made of when you move to a city that you don't know anybody, you've never been there. But uh, San Diego is one of the better cities. I also like Chicago. Chicago is my favorite city Chicago's in the a great town. Yeah. Oh, that's your, that's your, that's your top. I, that I is love, my top. Yeah. Big fan. One of my best friends from the Marine Corps, my uh, shout out Mike Fest. Uh, he, he's, I, he's, he's still up there. I'm pretty sure I've visited him several times and we went to white Sox games, went to the casino. Chicago is a very, very fun, fun town. It's absolutely uh, it, not talked about enough. I think it gets overshadowed by the, by the coasts, you know, the coastal elites kind of overshadow Chicago a little bit, but it's without a doubt, you know, uh, the, the major, part of you know a major part of the middle of the united states yeah i'd say, I'd say everyone frequents it it's basically the new york city of you know, the midwest so i mean yeah chicago is a great spot but like you said about moving i've mentioned it on previous episodes people got to do it and when you look at when you look at famous authors or like people back in like the just in general like uh philosophers going back thousands of years or whatever all of them what they had in common is like a lot of them were travelers they went different places like uh, Mark Twain, for example, you know, uh, who's a Connecticut hero, you know, the Mark Twain house in Connecticut, Mark Twain, somebody who has he his life is so he would probably tell you if he met him that he's not that interesting. But people found him interesting because he wrote pretty good, but he went to a lot of places. This is a guy who was spent time in Missouri and all these all these different places. And that's something people didn't do like back then because travel was so hard. So now, yeah, I tell people all the time. I mean, 
yeah, moving to Texas, like life changing. And like anytime somebody root, because like when you do that, it is, you have a clean slate, the, you know, the safety nets kind of from underneath you. So you, 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 you learn a lot about yourself and you go your own way. It's definitely something people need to do. And it's cool that, like I said, you and I have lived that kind of parallel thing where you, you did the same thing. You know, you have got bounced around. I was in the Marines, moved back to Connecticut, was in a different city. So it's, it's, it's definitely something people should do in, in their life, if, especially if they have the opportunity. Yeah, no, doubt. of course I agree. And, and, you know, speaking of moving around and stuff, you and I were talking before this, like, all right, we got the same last name. How did our, how did, how did our families move here? Right. How did yeah. we get here? And so yeah. I don't well, know if your listeners know your yours because we kind of went over mine and I got a little bit of yours, but yeah. Um, I, I, so on the first episode of my podcast, I actually go into it because there's a, there's a, a book that my father gave me that uh, is like a history. It's like a, a history of Waterbury, Connecticut. And it's a, it's a specifically a history of Italian families in Waterbury, Connecticut. And there's a section about the Lombard brothers, which is my grandfather's grandfather and, cool. his, bro- and his brother, Nick and John, who started the original Lombard. And so in the first episode, I kind of give that whole timeline of who, who they were, the company that they built all the way up until, you know, deregulation of the eighties and they were bought out in 84. And that's, that's just long story short about them. Like I said, they came from uh, Caserta, which is right outside of Naples and moved, you know, came through Ellis Island and uh, you know, eventually made their way up to Waterbury, you know, started, you know, they started working when they were kids, but got the horse and carriage and they started moving like uh, people, you know, new immigrants uh, luggage and they would move stuff up to the Litchfield Hills. They also moved like big blocks of ice is like pre refrigeration. Mm, that's right. So yeah. it is a, it is a very cool story. And that's why it's very, you know, that's why I, I'm proud of like what I do for a living, because I think it would be even though they probably wouldn't have liked to see how the trucking industry went uh-huh. considering deregulation. Cause they were like a teamster union affiliate. Yep. They probably wouldn't be into the idea of contracting and all of this deregulation. I think they'd enjoy, you know, one of their relatives still doing what they do, but yeah. How, where did your, where did your Lombards came from? Yeah. Um, my Lombards are Lombardies and I don't think we'd said that to people yet. And we you're, were Lombardo. Oh, yeah. Lombardo. Right. Um, but yeah, as, as told by, my dad, so it's, I mean, it's not that far of a lineage. Um, I would be the fourth generation Lombard uh, in the United States. Uh, also immigrated, obviously, through Ellis Island, but um, um, from the northern province, Lombardia. Lombardia, there we go. There's the Italian pronunciation. Or if you're American, Lombardia. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and a city called Torino. Um, and we were chestnut farmers. We had a chestnut farm there, and that's what the Lombards did in Torino. Uh, I don't know how much money was in chestnuts at the day. I don't know how we uh, transported our chestnuts. I don't know if they're a local farmer's market or if we're shipping them down uh, down south. Couldn't tell you. But yeah, they came through Ellis Island and then always in upstate New York. So uh, my dad, my grandpa, my great grandpa and great great um, all were uh, living in Syracuse. And I was born in Rochester, so hour and a half away. But yeah, my whole uh, lineage is all um, through Syracuse. And then another little fun fact, I don't know if you guys have this on your end, but um, I am the first Lombard male with the first name Corey. As far back as we can trace, everyone's been named William. So that would be my middle name. Now people can go and dox me and find me. Yeah, um, yeah I am. What did I just do to myself? <laughs> um, so my dad's name is William, my grandpa, great grandpa, great great. And as far as we can trace back, it was always William. So I broke the chain of the the William name, kept it in my middle name, 
Uh, and I'm the last person in my family that can carry on the Lombard name. I'm the last Lombard male. So a lot of pressure from the family to have a son eventually. So yeah. Do you have like the weird naming thing? Like do you have Michaels and do you have uh, other relatives that can spread the Lombard name? I wish. So, so your dad is William. Correct. And his dad is William. Correct. So on and so forth. Keep so going. You, you could have been the 16th is what yeah. you're saying. Uh-huh. Oh, and that man. would have been badass. William yeah. the 16th. See, I, and I, I share something that's similar. So that there's, no, so my father is Anthony or his friends call him Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually fun, funny. And my dad listens to this sometime, but I had heard from one of his friends from high school that uh, the Tony thing didn't start until after my dad stopped drinking. So before he stopped, before he stopped drinking, he was always Anthony. And then after he, qu- uh-huh. yeah, after he quit, he became Tony. That's just a little, so uh-huh. if my dad's listening, just know. Yeah. Rob Gillette told me that. Um, and so um, basically, yeah. But so my dad is Tony, his dad was Nick. So it was like Nick. And so Nick was, you know, my grandfather's name or Nikki as they called him. And then his grandfather was Nick. I'm not, I forget what, I think his dad might've been Nick too. So Nick is my brother's Nick. Uh, I got Michael from, my uh, mother's father, and he, he was a great man. My mom's father was like a, an actual genius. Um, but see that, that the other side of my family, my mom, her her parents, uh, my grandmother is uh, French Canadian, and my uh, grandfather he was Ukrainian, and they came from. But technically, it was Austria Hungary when they came here. But he, you know, he's a smart dude, principal of a high school. He could do celestial navigation. He was he was Michael. And it's a cool name to have. You know, it's obviously yeah. very common. But my parents were considering Salvatore. And I Ooh. would be, I would have been brand I would have been a, a, a great sal. Like I, I, I look I like think, a sal. I think you could pull off a sale. I have a sal type job. You like, do. like I definitely yeah. have a, I definitely have a job that's more born and bred, I think, for a sal. So I I get I do <laughs> I do fault my parents a little bit for it. And I'm not gonna lie, yeah. If you were like the sixteenth, because I know a couple fourths Damn, and a couple thirds, right. but like yeah, if you were like a fifteenth, even a twelfth, like you know, you could have been you know, like Louis Couture's, you know, French, or you could yeah. have been the, the Italian, you know, uh, 14 or 15. Like, I know that would have been, that would have been some dope shit. I never but, thought of it that way. I'm, I'm, thank you for shedding this light upon me because yeah. I've always thought of it as cool to be the chain breaker, but to be but the also that holds power too. Yeah. No, not going to lie. Being the chain breaker is, is also kind of neat. It's definitely an icebreaker if you're ever talking to yes. a, a, you know, a lady or something like yeah. that. But so it's cool. That's it. That's awesome about the Northeast that I think a lot of people in other parts of the country don't realize is like, especially for Italians, uh, they did, they came through Ellis Island and it's just crazy how they branch up Jer- between Jersey, New York and Connecticut and my family, because there's just, for. I wonder what got your, your family to upstate New York as opposed what's crazy is, what did get a lot of people to places like Waterbury, these, these smaller kind of rust belty type towns, is that there were a lot of jobs. And so maybe yeah. they had heard from a friend or relative because Rochester is a is like a, an old Rochester is just like a Waterbury. You know, Waterbury is old fa- factories, Brass City. Very Ro- old. Yeah. Yeah. Rochester, same way. All those towns up there like Utica, you know, yes. Ward is up there by Ithaca. All those like towns are like small and that's how all the towns are in the Naugatuck Valley. So it's cool how that's how like everybody came here. So, but you, so you went to, you went to college and now you worked in Indiana. So what are you doing? What are you doing now? Where are you at? So, yeah. So obviously I'm living in Charlotte, but working remotely. Um, and I'm in prop tech sales. So that's a fancy way to say property technology sales. So I sell software for 
uh, big apartment complexes for them to run their day-to-day -day operation, you know, collect rent from uh, residents, market vacancies, uh, screen people that are new applicants, you know, I have to go through like a, a credit and a criminal background check normally if you're moving into like an apartment community. So really to run the entire operation. But yeah, I'm in, I'm still in sales. I've always been in sales since I graduated and, and we'll, this could be a good transition and we'll get there. But um, I am forever thankful for the foundation that TQL laid for me in that because there was some really good things that came out of that. But I'm happy to share my, you know, unfiltered version of my experience at TQL and being a freight broker in the industry and yeah, why I got into it, why I left it, you know. I had I had a freight broker on recently. My buddy yeah, Reed, I shout out. Yeah. yeah, shout out. Hope, he, Great hope job, he's Reed. listening. Yeah. yeah, he's he's building a cool software thing too. Maybe one, maybe you'll be selling his software yeah. one day. We'll see. We'll, we'll link you guys up. But basically, um, so I mean, just like you, I mean, I, I we were talking before we started recording. You know, I give a lot of credit to Enterprise, um, especially with just what I've learned and kind of breaking, you know, breaking a little bit more out of your comfort zone. It's definitely a tough job being in that because it's more, it's definitely more customer service than sales. But you know, the job did give me one of my groomsmen. It gave me you know, my wife, one of our bridesmaids, and they were a great, you know, it was great to have them be a part of our wedding, but they do have a good foundation. I know friends who succeeded off enterprise. I feel as though, and from what I've heard, TQL is a similar setup. Um, I feel like they definitely want to bring in, they bring in a lot of young guys. They kind of want it to oh, be yeah. a little bit of that. So yeah, let's get right into it. So what, what got you to TQL? What's the training like? What, um, Tell me your side of things. Yeah, maybe we'll cut it up because like I can go in depth on this. I know people yeah. like the large majority of the audience is probably in in the industry and probably wants to like hear my version of yeah. this. And and I'll, I'll give I'll give yeah go you, ahead. you you go into it all and I'll kind of like yeah give me the nitty gritty um, yeah you know everything TQL and I'll kind of let you know about what I know about TQL and you can let me know maybe you know what what it was like on your end for those yeah, experiences. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, and again, this is going to be an unfiltered. This is my version of it. Like. I'm going to give it to you straight up the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, the only asterisk on this is that um, this was a long time ago. So a lot of this could be different. I, I'm assuming a lot of it is the same. I still have a few buddies that work there, but when I talk to them or see them, we're not like talking about TQL. Yeah. Um, but this is my experience. And this was back in um, 2011 to 2013. So it was a while ago, but I know that the foundation of the company and how the industry works and everything is, is still the same. So um I graduate college, didn't had no idea what the hell I wanted to do, just like most people. And you so went to going school in, for um like business communication. Okay. Right. So kind of like a broad degree. I didn't have like a niche. I, I wasn't like having to be like a scientist or a doctor or something. So I could do what I wanted. And as hopefully some folks can tell here, you know, I, I have an outgoing personality. I like to talk. Kind of sales was like something, you know, that kind of probably fit my personality. I had some older friends that lived in Chicago and they were working for Coyote Logistics and yeah. mm -hmm. they're making good money. They had an awesome house that we used to go there and party at and like they were doing well from for themselves. And then me and my class were graduating and my best friends were all like applying for logistics jobs and they were getting jobs at um, Coyote, a few of them at TQL, not as many. Um, and so, yeah, I applied, it was a sales job, sounded like fun, sounded, you know, cool atmosphere can make a lot of money. And so, yeah, I, I applied, I got the job. Um, I remember for my application too, this is kind of funny, like two of the biggest tests where I had a blank uh, map of the United States and I had to label every single state, all 50 states, and you had to get a hundred out of a hundred, but 
that should be easy for anybody that can oh, wow. sit down I was, for I was gonna ask minutes. you. I was gonna ask you about the interview process actually. Like what uh -huh. yeah, what was that? That's so that I wonder if they still do that. So they make you yeah, you know, it's funny. One of one of the questions that the area manager asked to enterprise during the interview is do you uh you know, do you love winning or do you hate losing? Losing. Uh -huh. And 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 hate losing is the right answer. If uh -huh. you answer love winning, he, he actually won't pass you on. It's because uh -huh. every everyone loves winning. Of he course. Says that. He says you yeah. better hate fucking losing or, yes. else, or else I don't want you on my team. And that's a very TQL mentality too. Um, absolutely. And we'll go into that too. I'll go through like my whole training and the job roles that I had. So then the other part of the interview was I had to sit with a, a seasoned broker. I sat there with a headset on like this and just saw how I would interact with, with uh, carriers. So he would just call carriers and I just had to ask him, what kind of equipment do you have? What city are you in? Which, what area are you trying to go into? We weren't trying to do any business, but can this kid like talk to these people? And um, yeah, then I sat down with like the general manager of the office and I got the job, I started. And so you go through classroom training and I'll come up with a break here in a second and stop talking. You go through classroom training for, I don't know, maybe like two weeks ish. And you listen to phone calls and um, they're doing like pictures of the different equipment. Cause at TQL, you can be a broker for reefers, dry van, flatbeds, double drop necks, RGNs, you can do it all. And so you learn all the equipment and the, the load capacity and all that stuff. And then you get assigned to a seasoned rep and you start being like their assistant. So I'll stop there. Do you have mm -hmm. questions? <clears throat> okay. So basically, no, this, in this, from actually what I'm hearing about it now, this is actually a good thing because from what I know from guys who deal with TQL, sometimes people, sometimes that's their, you know, they, they, you know, there's a, a tad bit of like ignorance in it when it comes to like the equipment or, mm. um, I could tell that, you why too. Yeah. Or, or that, or that type of thing. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's good that they teach you that equipment though. And see, and without even asking you before we recorded, like, you know what an RGN is. So that, that actually says a lot about, but I mean, so where you now, I guess this is another thing. So you were doing this in Chicago. Correct. Yeah. Inside and of an office. Inside of an office. Now, is yeah. that their only, uh, is that their only, like, where else so are they located? They're headquartered in Cincinnati. That's where, like, the mega headquarters is probably, you know, over a thousand employees there. They've got a giant HQ location right off one of the highways in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. Uh, but then they have satellites everywhere. They have satellite offices everywhere. So when I was there, I don't know, they maybe had 10. And it was in, like, the bigger cities. You had, like, New York, San Fran, Chicago. Uh, they are expanding to Louisville when I was there. And I know they definitely expanded since there. So there's offices, but the offices really are just to recruit people in those cities because it's not a remote job. You got to be in the office for the training and for just to be surrounded by everybody. It's it's very, um, oh, what's that movie where they're like on the stock exchange and they're, um, oh, Wolf Break Room? No, oh, no, Wolf Wall Street. Boiler so Room. Hot. Boiler Room. There we go. It's yeah. so Boiler Room. It oh. really, truly is. So, like, that's the environment that you're in. People are screaming and it's selling. People are happy that they're selling. People are pissed that they're getting screwed over, whatever. Um, but anyways, they, they open movie, these offices. The yeah, I agree. They open those offices so they can recruit talent in there. It has nothing to do with the business in those cities. Chicago employees, I can do business in California. I can do business in New York. There's no dictation. It's, it's or, uh, restrictions. Sorry. Um, it's all within anywhere in the U.S., any kind of freight, as long as it's a full full load and not LTL, um, you're able to, to do it at TQL. So the office locations are just so that they can recruit inside of those hubs. Yeah, because there's, there's people who are definitely qualified or yeah. want to do the job that 
you know, and TQL seems to obviously hire, you know, with no previous broker experience. Hundred percent. So at the that, time they did straight yeah. out of college. Yeah, straight straight college grads, which makes sense. And and that's that's I'd say the norm across the industry. Like when I call a broker regarding a load, um, a lot of times they could be in Atlanta, and I'm in you know, and I'm in Arkansas, uh, or I'm in Missouri. Uh, a lot of the times, that's where that's where I've been, and because there's a lot like there's a lot couple brokers that are in Atlanta, and that's so that's definitely more common um i'd say throughout the industry but yeah mm -hmm. go on so what yeah. so you, you went through training go through training and then they assign you to um an existing broker an, an account executive an ae that has their own book of business they've got customers that have freight and they're negotiating with their customers on the on that rate and then they're looking at you and they're posting the loads and everything's coming through your phone and you're sitting right next to them and you are negotiating with the carriers. And so, you know, if it's like a really hot load, I had two phones, six lines, I'd have 12 people on hold. Like I'm telling you within 30 seconds, this, oh, yeah. this is why it was a fun job. It was a fun paced job. I've got like this load I got to move. I'm like negotiating really quick. So it was cool and fun. Um, you, you answer the phone, you put in the MC number and TQL has an internal carrier rating system. So I see your MC, I see that it's Lombard Trucking. I know that you're fantastic. You'd be, you'd be getting good on-time scores and grades. You'd be ranked in the green. I know that like, I wanna do business with you, right? So there's a whole ranking system. And I'm not sure if you or the, your fellow um, drivers knew about that, but you know- Oh no, yeah, I, I, I do. And I, I have a little bit, I, like afterwards, I have a little bit on that with okay. regards to the former MC I was running on okay. under, cause it's funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so you're doing all the negotiating with them. And it was great. I had a great uh, mentor. His name was Sean. Uh, I still stay in touch with him today. He had a really good book of business and we were really specialized within um, produce. We were doing um, reefers only. That's all I moved was produce, 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 produce all day, every day. And yeah, it was really cool. I did that for like six months. Um, and then you kind of graduate and you go out, start looking for your own book of business. So then you start cold calling, um, shippers and customers, and you try to get their business and making like 80 to hundred cold calls a day. And this is the most popular, uh, answer. Fuck you 80 times a day. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. And I learned from my AE that the best way to get a customer was call them every day, let them tell you, fuck you for six months. And then one day they're going to be desperate. And they'll be like, who's that idiot that's called me every single day, Corey over at freaking TQL. I got burned by TQL three years ago, but this guy won't stop calling me. I'm calling him for a truck. Yep. And, and then, they, yeah, cause they can't get it out. They're, they're yeah. having a hard time getting rid of it. That's, I mean, your, your AE isn't wrong on that method. Yeah. 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 And it worked. Right. And, and then, you know, you kind of graduate and you're like a junior AE and then you're doing both for your own book of business. So I would find a customer that had some freight and then I would post it. I would negotiate the rates. And then that's how I was coming up with my own margin. And I was only there for two years. I never um, was there long enough or had a big enough business to like have um, a trainee with me and like do my sales on my behalf, my carrier sales. Um, and I'll talk about why I left and everything too. Yeah. Um, and I'll go into way more detail about some of this stuff. I think it's be cool to know how like the money works and how the, um, why there's so much negotiation, why it's so important for those brokers to get like larger margins. And um, yeah, I'm happy to go into like whatever you want to know or you think people would be interested in. I can speak to it all. Yeah. So I, we'll, we'll ease, ease right on into it. Yeah. So like when it came to customers, you called now you, you were dealing with produce a lot. Were you calling 
So were you calling distribution centers? Like uh, you, you would, you would like, cause what's crazy is like, although when it comes to like food distribution, cause I've moved a lot of dry food and a lot of the places you'll pick up, like if I run a Pepsi load, like sometimes those beverages are going to, uh, you know, Jim's warehouse, it's going to like a random warehouse. Yep. And then from there it goes out to stores. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to know like who, like just for example, like who, who, like what was a place that you, were you calling like stop, like a grocery store or were you or a grocery distribution center? Were you calling like, how did you find who to call? Like, how did yeah. you know? I could speak more to this when I was working for Sean because he was doing a ton of produce. When I started my own book, I did everything. That's how I know what RGNs are. Like I was doing that. That's a high margin load for me. They weren't a high frequency, but I was doing everything that I could get my hands on. But um, yeah, we did business with a lot of different um, customers. So we'd work with also produce brokers. So they're doing the same thing on their end. They're buying a bunch of produce. They're negotiating a rate for that. They're like, oh, uh, I'm in South Carolina they need oranges up in Chicago. I'm going to sell it and get it on a truck and put it up there. So I was working wow. with produce brokers. So there's a double. That, I, didn't, I didn't know that was a job. Yeah. Oh yeah. They make the big bucks, man. You produce want money in the logistics industry, go be a produce broker. Yeah. Oh, that's some inside um, baseball. Cause I always figured it. Well, like I always figured the farm, some who with the business that owned the farm would go so, would go and sell that. But uh -huh. I guess it's that much. Yeah. And sometimes I was working directly with the farm. Like we did a lot of, watermelon shipments during watermelon season that one's fun because you see the watermelons coming up the coast and like the season you see where the season is where it's hot where it's dry where it's hot where it's dry it's hot it's dry um um where was i going with that oh yeah, no, um, yeah produce brokers yeah 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 so sometimes you are working directly with the farm there and then sometimes you're working with like the distribution center so we did some business with chipotle we did some business with mcdonald's i did a ton of um, onion and potato loads going to like McDonald's HQ where they would distribute from there. Um, and then when I had my own book of business, I used to sh uh, ship jalapenos from El Paso up uh, to like a uh, Taco Bell processing plant too. So it's really kind of all over the place where you can get this freight from. Just whether, no. yeah, yeah, whether it's a distributor, uh, farmer, like a big agricultural center or a produce broker. I got you. No, yeah. that's cool. So basically, on uh, I guess here's one thing, and I want to know how you guys see it from your end. Is so a lot of when it comes to working off of load boards and working with brokers, especially guys who are on the spot market, which that's what you were selling was spot market freight. Hundred percent. Like yep. You didn't you didn't really deal with lanes. I'm sure there were lanes that you had. There were lanes, but you're but, you're right. It was spot freight. Hundred yeah, percent. It was yeah. It's a hundred percent spot. So put it this way. Like, so like me, just from learning from other guys, like I very, especially as a, um, doing drive van, I went West of I 35, which if for the listeners who don't know, I 35 runs from Laredo, Texas up to Duluth, Minnesota. So basically straight across the middle of the country kind of, so I wouldn't really go West. I did once when I ran the Missoula marathon, I took a load from prior Oklahoma up to Spokane Valley, Washington. Now, so here's the thing when it comes to, going that way it's very tough coming out so do you guys you know what the supply do you know how many trucks are in different parts of the country because this is something i talked with reed about where brokers have a hard time finding carriers i want to know how you know where like did you know or how did you know where there was a surplus of trucks especially depending on equipment yeah. Well, the only way we would know is because that's why I said it's kind of like a boiler room environment. You want to be in that office because 
we weren't the only combo in that office selling produce. Like the whole office was selling produce. They had, somebody's got their hand in the produce and then somebody stands up and they're like, California is hot. We got a ton of trucks in California. Get let so then you're calling your California, you got any loads, you need anything, you need anything out? Cause we know there's a ton of carriers in California and they're going to take low rates because they're all going to be calling out on these loads that I have. Right. And I'm going to yeah. be, I'm going to be able to negotiate the hell out of this. Right. And so you would know for like a week or two, it was hot and then it'd get really tight. Like they'd, they'd know that, you know, everyone had taken those first, you know, kind of wave of the shipments, those guys that's those guys that kind of stuck behind, or maybe they just unloaded something there. Now it's tight. And like, it's a, it's a carrier driven market in that area, but you would know about it because people in the office are like, California's getting tight. So then we'd stay away. We'd like, oh, if your customer's like, hey, I need a truck to Chicago. You know, last week we did it for five grand. My broker would be like, we need eight grand to do it. And then they'd argue like, what the fuck? Like, f go fuck yourself. Like that was the most common response in all of the industry was go fuck yourself. Oh yeah. I Sorry, I mean, this is a free <laughs> podcast. I can say that, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so you kind of hear about it in the office, but also if you do enough um, loads with one specific MC, they become your primary carrier, meaning they're tagged to that broker in the office. So um, some schmuck in another office wants to use your broker or your carrier that is your primary, they have to call you and get permission. And when you have a primary, you're normally running a pretty common lane and you know where they are at all times. Yeah, that's. And then I'd say, oh, sorry. No, I'll, I'll finish that, after this last sentence. Yeah, oh, that, that happened on my end, too. I worked with certain reps from like C.H. Robinson and Coyote and like I would work with them directly. And that was yep. that's normally actually how I got better rates. Yep. Yep. And then the other one is like you work with carriers that were great. You know, I even know some of the guys' names to this day. I won't say them here, but I know their names because they were great. And if I knew we were probably going to get some, we, we did a ton of um, leafy veg out of, out of California, a ton of it. That, that was like my day was working in California, shipping things out from Cali and Texas across the border. Um, I would call drivers ahead of time like, hey, you in California at all? Like I'll pay you to deadhead even like 200 miles ago. Take the soda. I know you're going to do well. You're going to give me a decent rate. We've worked together. I can trust you like where you're at. You're actually there. You know, and I'm calling you in the morning. I think you posted a meme the other day like, oh, another broker checking to see where I'm at right now. Yeah. <laughs> I had to do that every day, dude. I used to have to come in on Saturdays and do check calls. They're called checkies. I yep. do my checkies for other brokers that were more senior. So when you're starting off at TQL, you have to work three out of four Saturdays a month, half a day, 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. You're two minutes late, they fire you. So you have to show up to work like on time, ready to go, not hungover. You're 21 years old, fresh out of college. You're out till three in the morning the night before. It was fun. Oh, and yeah. then you have to call carriers that don't want to talk to you. And then you're like, I don't know where this guy is. Or they tell you they're in a city and they're 300 miles behind. You're like, fuck. Yeah, this this was literally me. Like, I'd see that. I'd see the number and I'd be like, uh-huh. <laughs> and I'd have, I'd have my headset on and I'd go right back. I'd be like, I'm, uh -huh. I'm going to finish Hard Factor. And then I'm uh -huh. like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I know. That's what I yeah. do. No, that, yeah, the check. Well, I, this has probably changed since you're in. So a lot of brokers now use, I don't know, maybe if this was around, but there's an, a, like a lot of them track you via an app called macro point. I That's figured. one of them. Yeah. One of them is macro point. There's a few other ones, but for the most part, a lot of guys use macro point and yeah, they'll, they'll send you it. Like you log in on the app and they'll know just based off of your phone, the, like they'll basically know where you at and you check yeah. in when you arrive and depart. So that's the, they might do that actually a little bit less. So on okay. your end, so on your end, a market was hot. 
when there were guys who were willing to take shit cheap. Yes. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. It's like, like it's the opposite, opposite for you. Ends. Right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So mm -hmm. when it was hot, like the whole office would know and like all the brokers would be on the phone with like their California customers, whatever. Like, what do you got? What do you need? What do you need? And then, you know, we'd get really cheap freight uh, carriers. And this is this is like such a good, like overall arching, like theme of the industry. I'd get really good, cheap carrier. They'd be going to pick up the load. And then, of course, they're they're seeing all this other freight getting posted and the rates are slowly starting to climb, slowly starting to climb. You know, I got him at $5,000, but he's like hearing from his buddies. I'm, I'm going to Chicago for 5,700, 5,800. Oh, yeah, and that's when, that's when I'm bitches. like, fuck. And then they call me there. The, either they bitch at me or whatever. I hadn't sent them a rate confirmation, whatever, or whatever they're calling it now or however it works. Um, you know, and then they try to renegotiate with me or they, they'd fall out on me and I have to renegotiate. I'd lose 800 bucks. My broker would be pissed at me like, what the fuck, man? What happened to that guy you had for $5,000? Go find someone else for 5,000, wow, you know? Really? So, yeah, oh they, yeah. They, they, there was no budging with that. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, because you got to keep your margin. So let's talk about how the margins work. Yeah. I wanna, this I wanna, could you, change. Yeah. You keep talking about the margin. So I, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of want to, cause that's the biggest thing. So that's a problem. A lot of year, a lot of owner operators talk about for anybody listening is that they have a, a lot of guys that want transparency broker, what's called broker transparency. And I, I could, there's a double-edged sword with this because yeah, it'll never happen. It, 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 it really, it, I just don't see it ever really happening. Like knowing what the cost of the load is. And before, I guess, before I go on, number one, uh, I, I feel as though, and people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I look at load boards a lot, a, a reefer load out of California going to Chicago. Now, I don't even know if anybody on the spot, I don't know if anybody could smell 5,000 right now mm -hmm. doing that. People would, people would, uh, people would deadhead 300 miles for a, a load paying five grand going from Southern California to Chicago at produce. Maybe they're out there depending on if they know the broker, but I just know off of how it is coming West to East, mm -hmm. um, especially that way. Like, um, but I, the, you know, the, the trucking market's very volatile. You know, this yes. is obviously over 10 years ago and supply and demand changes. Obviously the economy is a little tough now. So the numbers might not always be reflective. That's just a, a quick sidebar, but yeah. So to, like I said, the broker transparency, a lot of MCs care. When we say MC, we're talking about a motor carrier for anybody who's listening. They, you know, a lot of guys, owner ops, they want to know what they want to know what the broker's making because they want to see if what they're doing, it's for fair, fair because they see these rates changing, but fuel prices are going up, et cetera. So what on your end, what are these margins that you have to keep? Yep. So this is how it works. So I find a customer that has a watermelon farm. I like this analogy. We'll stick with it. And they are asking me to find a truck to move these watermelons. And they tell me I can do it for $2,000, right? The um, shipper is willing to pay the broker $2,000. Well, then I want to find the cheapest truck that's reliable that will agree to take this load. And that will be my margin. So to continue along with the analogy, I find a truck for $1,000 to go from Miami to Charlotte. I'm making this up, obviously. So I, I, as a broker, have now made $1,000 margin for me. I wish the, the reps kept all that money. But obviously, working at a big company, they're the ones paying for the training, for the office leases, for the software, for the phone equipment, right? For the whole backbone of the operation. You're running your own business, but under their umbrella. So yeah. if it was a shipper or a customer, we would call it a customer. Those are the shippers. Um, if a customer had done business with TQL in the past, they are a current or former customer of TQL. It was 20% off of that margin went to the broker. So off of a thousand dollar margin, you're an existing customer that did business with TQL. 
um, in the past, I'd get 20% of that. I get $200. Now let's say uh, I was prospecting, I'm cold calling, I'm trying to find freight to move, find freight to move. I find a new customer at um, TQL. They've never done buzz business with TQL, not a new carrier, new customer. I get 25%. So I was incentivized to go out there and find companies that never worked with TQL because there are tens of thousands of shippers that have at least done one load with TQL, whether it went well or poorly. And those are now in a giant database. And these new trainees that are trying to scrap for freight are calling off of that, right? So you've got an easy call board that you can just pester people with, or you go out and try to find your own business. So that's how the margin works. And that's why there's so much negotiation. And there's there's a lot of negotiation on the shipping side too. Like, you know, me as a, an AE, a guy would be like, I can do $5,000 to Chicago. And I, I just moved the load yesterday for 6,500. And I'd be like, fuck you, dude, $7,000. Like maybe if it was three days ago, I need $7,000. And so you're negotiating upfront and then you're hoping you can negotiate negotiate and find a carrier a little bit lower than that. Yeah. Okay. So there is still some, so the, what's, I guess what's good for carriers uh, on this end. So for people who work with TQL, what's good is, is that you are out there also trying to get money from the shipper. Like Scrapping. You, yeah. You want uh, the, these distribution centers and shippers, you want them to pay you more. Fuck and, that. and if shippers do pay you more, you in in essence, the more the shipper pays you, the more a carrier could get. So I guess that that's a good side of things. Absolutely, that TQL is doing. Okay, so that's that's actually good. I, I didn't really know that uh, because there's different types of brokers out there. Like I said, so Reed, uh, he was a little different. Like he worked at like and kind of what he's doing now. Like he's he an Echo, company. right? Is, is that what it was? Echo? No, that's where he was at. Oh, he, Echo he Logistics. Used to work at Echo. Yeah. Gotcha. He, yeah, okay. he used to work there. But like what he's doing now, he's an that's independent. Right. Uh, guy working yep. for um i, I forget uh, maybe it was amerifreight mm -hmm. and he and so he works actually almost similar like i do like i operate under the as a contractor i own a truck i operate under mc for warren transport he yep. uh brokers under the because uh, if people don't know brokers also have a a uh, an authority because yes. uh brokers have to have legal authority to buy you know buy and sell freight in the u.s uh, he like kind of does the same thing and he's running his own business. So I guess, so he must get a margin of that. And then, but some of that margin also must go because the broker has to pay for insurance. And yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. And now here's a question I have before we get into what, what led you to leave. So here's one of the biggest issues with TQL and this is where they get total quality okay. liars in there. Right. And this is the common theme is, so what they do is TQL will post a load that's going from just say uh, Dallas to Nashville, okay. uh, Tennessee. And okay. it'll say on there that it's going to Dallas, pick up 8 a.m., deliver, you know, two days later yeah. in Nashville. Now, I have friends, and I have friends who uh, we talk on Discord on uh, on the Truck Smarter channel, and I hope you guys are listening. Um, they will book a load from TQL, and it'll say it's picking up in Dallas and going here. When they get the rate con or rate confirmation, they're – the city will be a hundred miles from Dallas and the drop-off will be 80 miles from Nashville. They'll be in completely different places. So do you know anything about that? I do. I do. I know I have intimate knowledge about this. And, and again, I, I, I feel for both sides of this because you're in the middle of this, right? Like I've got a customer, I've got me, I'm trying to scrap away and make my, a living too. 
right? Like the bigger the margin, the, the more money I'm taking home. And a lot of these people make a lot of money. So sometimes I don't feel bad for them. I was a college kid making like 40 grand, 35 grand living in Chicago. Like it, it was tough. So um, there's a few reasons you do it. But the main reason is because if people don't see Dallas on that board, they see uh, Midlothian or whatever. I don't even know a city that's 100 miles outside of. You're, you're, you're close though. All right, cool. It is, it's in All the right. Metroplex. So All you know right, you're cool. Cause, All cause right, there's cool. a lot of shippers there. Yeah, and so if you're posting that, a lot of people are like, "Oh fuck, I hate that. I have to go through Dallas. I have to get there." And so, so yeah, you are kind of massaging the system to say, "Yeah, you're going to Dallas, but yeah, you're 30 miles from." Dallas. Um, and same with the receiving end of things. Like that's the reason because I need to get this load covered. And if you're agreeing to do it, you didn't ask me the zip codes or like for the address up front and I've got you at this rate and I'm, you're signing this rate confirmation. Do I feel bad? Like, I'll be honest with you at the time when I was doing the business. No, I didn't because I was, I was making money for myself and, and I'm, I'm, I'm all pro carrier, by the way, I, I want everyone listening to this to know. Um, you kind of reignited my passion about the industry here, Michael. So I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then the, the other reason you do it is because let's say I had two loads coming out of the same city. Like, one, like, let's use your same example, Dallas to Nashville. But then I've got Dallas to Chicago. And Chicago's not a good market coming out of it. And you know it. So you don't want to go to Chicago. But Nashville's got freight coming out of it. And I've got like three loads going there, right? So I'd find like four trucks. I'd have three loads going to Nashville. Everyone wants to go to Nashville. No one wants to go to Chicago in this scenario. Find four trucks. Three are going to Nashville. One, you call me. I'm keeping that Nashville uh, load posted to get inbound phone calls. I'll be like, dude, I just covered that Nashville one, but I've got one coming out of the same shipper that's going up to Chicago, and I can pay you 18 cents more per mile on that load than I could on Nashville. Right? Oh. So I'm still going to keep the Nashville one posted to get inbound calls, right? I want people to call me so I can negotiate with you and see if I can convince you to go up to Chicago. And sometimes we could find a backfill. Like if they're like, I'm not going up there without a backfill. You could call other brokers that did a ton of freight out of Chicago and kind of, so you're not deadheading, right? Um, but yeah, that's why. I mean, because you are also trying to move loads. So sometimes you're a little gray about where it's picking yeah. up and dropping there's, off there's some finesse i knew that question was coming tonight yeah by the way. There, there, yeah oh so you didn't know so, yeah there's some, yeah. That, but okay so there's a little finesse to it i'm, I'm not gonna lie it's a there's probably a lot of people who are here I'm, that this is good information though and that's good because you know there are because when it comes to guys that are truckers and gord actually mentioned this on on his podcast which is the voice of gord i recommend people go check it out there are a lot of people a lot of drivers in this industry um, they're conservative in a sense of not mo so much politically, but the, you know, truck drivers are a lot of times what you, you know, what people, um, kind of put them on a pedestal as, is these people who shoulder their cross and I'm stealing Gord's words on this, but these are people who are, uh, um, you know, they're just, they, they are just people who really want to work hard and provide for their families. So the type of sales tactic that you use, the, some of the guys aren't going to catch it they're, now. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of drivers out here who are very sharp and yes. they know. And they know that they're dealing with a salesman and they know that they're yes. dealing with the guy who's doing that. There are. And I, I talk to these guys often, but a lot of these guys just, they've been out here, been out, you know, they've been out here 40 years and, you know, they just want to, you know, they just want to make a living. And so it's, yeah. it's those guys you, you feel, you, you definitely feel bad for, but no, that, that is interesting. And it's stuff I didn't know. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I figured it out. So now what got you, 
Well, uh, actually, here's here's the reason why. So the previous carrier I operated under couldn't book with uh, TQL okay. um, because like we were on your no go because and I work for R&R Solutions, but they put TQL on their no go. And here's okay. what happened. And I wanted to ask you about this to see, mm. you know, the side of the story. So what had happened was was. Um, like six or eight months after a load was delivered, TQL uh, debited or was trying to get money back via recourse on a, a claim from a load mm-hmm. from over six months ago. And there w- and uh, I'd, I'd have to ver- I don't know if the money was immediately debited, but there was a situation where they were hounding R&R for this money over a claim from a load from that long ago. And if for people who don't know and the listeners out there, when you our motor carrier and you book a load with a, a, a broker, normally a broker would have, will have 30 days to pay you for that load because in that time there could be claims or damages and stuff that may have happened that, that come up. And, and that does happen. And that's, I, the term is re- recourse is I, I believe the that's used a lot. And so this is what happened. So R and R just after sending so many drivers to deadhead miles from the city things that we talked about and the money thing, they, they put them off and then there must've been some sort of argument. Now, has that ever happened? Have you ever had any recourse issues? How accurate is this story that I'm trying to say? I I have heard of it happening, but I also recall, and again, this could change at TQL. They had a carrier relations team that dealt on both sides. Like they, they had a shipper, a customer relations team, carrier relations team. I was just in the middle of doing my job. Like, so if I really fucked over a carrier, which I will admit, and I hope people don't hate me for this. I was just trying to scratch my way up and make some money. I did. Everyone in that office did, but you know what? I also got fucked over by carriers and I got fucked over by my customers. I fucked over customers. Like everyone's just doing a bunch of fucking. Yeah. And let me, uh, let's be real. There are, there aren't carriers out there that are necessarily also doing the right thing. Right. A lot of carriers, there's carriers that do mistreat drivers one, but there's also carriers Mm. that will also lie and tell you where they not tell you where they're at. They don't have the best equipment, you know, so like their equipment, you know, they could show up to a shipper and their trailers from 1985. So the shipper doesn't want to load this decrepit trailer. So there's definitely always two sides. So I know what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Um, that, that, specific situation that you gave i had never heard of because as you can imagine i was moving fresh produce there was a lot of claims like when produce goes bad for the folks that don't know about this like they kind of do an investigation there's a temperature gauge on the reefer like did your temperature spike did you turn the reefer off like we can find out that kind of stuff and i'm sure there's more technology around it now than there was 10 years ago but you know, there was an investigation into it. And if there was a reason that it was the carriers, maybe it had to be there in four days and it took you six days. You said you got a flat tire. You can't even show me a picture of a flat tire or like a receipt for a flat tire. That's why we ask for these things, by the way, uh, as brokers, we're not just trying to call you liars. It's because we have to give proof and it'll save your ass too. If you get a claim, you're like, listen, I had two flats. Like I had a pullover. It was late at night. I couldn't get whatever. Um, so I dealt with a lot of claims, but it was all right on the spot. Like I'd know right away if there's a claim submitted or not like my customers would be there and be like what the fuck happened to these tomatoes is this guy driving like fast and furious um so i've never been through that scenario i think some of the more like unique situations i had carrier wise you have loads get stolen or taken hostage i can't tell you how many loads of cheese that's high value freight very high value freight cheese that got stolen and then like the police are even like the the feds, I got called by the feds twice. Like the feds found this guy like literally selling cheese out of the back of uh, a reefer, piece piecemealing it out. 
our oh, load, like $300,000 worth of product. And then we had a, a funny story of a, uh, had a load of limes come across the um, Tex-Mex border and uh, the guy somehow kicked off a pallet of limes and brought on a pallet of weed and the border patrol saw a pallet of limes on the side of the road and pulled them over. And I had to get called by like the FBI and question and they record all of your phone calls by the way so carriers listen to that if you ever say like a a broker told you something know that tql records all of their phone calls and you can call into like that carrier relations team and be like pull up the phone call i know they told me this but we will use it against you too if you tell me something i could pull that phone call and be like you Mm -hmm. told me that man so they'll use it against you but know that as well it's a little nugget you can use too so yeah, just as much as you know, the, Gord and I had talked about how there's a lot of surveillance on drivers, but more and more the brokers are also being surveilled. So here's here's the ultimate you know question. So yeah, what it's I mean from what it sounds like, like I said, it, TQL sounds a little bit very familiar to Enterprise to me. Working at Enterprise was kind of like a frat house. We had a sales competition and we would drink 40s on Friday. Yes. Loser would, loser would yes. buy 40s on Fridays. Yes. We, it was definitely a good time. I know that uh, a local brokerage in here in Austin, Texas, Arrive Logistics, is very similar. Um, my, I have a friend who works mm. there in their IT department. She says, you know, kegs in the office. These guys are, you know, they're fired up. I know those guys. Up. Yeah, I very, work there too. Yeah, very boiler room, like like you mentioned. So, yeah, why'd you quit? Why'd you, why'd you, why'd you do so? All right. So, and this is going to sound bad, but I said like I was going to be transparent and honest here. And I'm probably like trashing myself here. I just, I was, part of it was I was sick of like the lies. Like I was lying to my customer about where my truck was. I felt that I never knew where my trucks were. So they're lying to me. I'm lying to them. You know, there was just like so much lying going on that I just like, sometimes I couldn't keep it up straight. And like, I just didn't like it. Um, Were you raised Catholic? Not so, so strictly. Technically, say, yes, but not strictly. Because that, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the thing. I'm plagued with the same thing. What, yeah, and technically, yeah. You, can only, you can only do so much. That Catholic guilt really built. It'll eat you alive. It's not that I have a high moral code. I'm not <laughs> going to tell anybody that by any means, because I don't. Yeah. It was more so. It felt like I don't know, kind of like slimy. I felt like I was just like lying all the time at work, like all the time, and and I was clawing and scratching, and I was making those 80 cold calls a day, and. I'll never forget. So at TQL, they record your calls, like I said, and the general manager will pull some of everybody's calls to see how their sales calls are doing. Like, what are you saying on the phone? How are you negotiating? How are you doing? Any feedback we can give you? Well, he pulls me into his office. It was the week after spring break. And they also had software that could tell like if you're on other websites and I'd gone on Facebook and he goes, you have three times as many clicks on Facebook as the second person in this office and i said well yeah it was just spring break all the girls are posting the, their pictures from spring break i was on facebook love it and he goes okay great well we also pulled this one phone call and it was with a customer of mine who i used to love to shoot the shit with and i was on company lines and i shouldn't have done this and i was kind of bashing the company i was like i have a four-year degree from indiana university like i've got a good education and i'm over here like haggling with shippers and truckers on a saturday morning at 10 a.m when all my friends are like going out for brunch or they're on vacation. I had to be on call 24 seven. Like if my phone rang when I was working at TQL, I had to answer it. If it was at three in the morning, five in the morning, didn't matter. I was required to answer my phone. And so I felt tethered to it. And I was saying this to my customer. And so my boss had pulled me into the office. He goes, yeah, and we're gonna listen to one of your sales calls too. And he plays that phone call of me bashing the company and saying, basically saying I'm better than this, which by no means was I. But young Corey, 21 years old, dumb, thought he was. 
And, and so, yeah, after that, I just went downhill and I kind of lost like my relationship with like the general manager and I was getting sick of the job. It kind of, kind of wears you out. And so, yeah, I had a marketing company kind of recruit me over a newer company, growing sales team, young environment as well, downtown, downtown office um, in Chicago. And so, yeah, I went and saw, sold uh, marketing solutions after that. I had to get out. No, that's, it, it, that's really good. And honestly, I, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, it's, it's funny how, you know, in, in your integrity, you know, sh- shined through. And what's crazy is, um, I don't like to speak from, you know, being some top shark exec sales guy, but from a managerial standpoint and a guy who is trying to get a small business up and a guy who, you know, loves people, uh, from your, you know, manager standpoint at TQL, like him playing your sales call. So the thing is, is he didn't fire you, right? Correct. Yeah. Surprisingly not, but it was more so of like, Hey, we're watching you now. Yeah. So it was a, Hey, you're watching you and just, and I get it. The sales world is very dicey and there's a lot of places like this. And I, I understand the culture they're trying to breed, but from a coaching perspective, I mean, if I'm your manager now and I'm looking back and I see 21 year old, you having that conversation with the customer, what you were actually doing was building a relationship with that customer you're getting you're actually making it you actually kind of get get him to build trust in you and where maybe what you were saying was quote unprofessional at the end of the day all it required from your manager side of things especially if he's trying to retain you as an employee is he more more so should have just made it a coaching thing like hey man um like he should have asked he should have asked you how how you felt like hey you're saying this to customers um i really appreciate you building a relationship but um, are, what's going on? Are you happy here? Is there, is there anything I can change? Like that would have been a way better. That would have been the approach I would have taken, especially from this standpoint. And, but you know what, when it comes to those type of work environments and, and how, and how it, how it, you know, how it boils down. Um, you know, I think, I think you shined out in the equation. I think yeah, uh, it worked like out it, for me. It's, it's good to hear the other side of things. Uh, I do, you know, I plan on, bringing you know more people on the show to talk about things that i lambast against like artificial intelligence and robots so i i you know i want freight brokers to come on and hearing this information is enlightening but it's also kind of it kind of confirms my bias in a way of maybe tql <laughs> is our pieces of shit you know they are i mean also remember this though like i used a very arbitrary example when i said it's a thousand dollar margin i'm making 200 bucks off of that sometimes i'm losing money like i'm yeah. doing a customer a favor like maybe this was like i said in the beginning this is the first load they're giving me i've been calling this guy for six months he tells me to fuck you six months straight and he calls me Corey. here i got a load for you you're gonna eat margin on that because you're trying to get a load in and hopefully it's with a good carrier and they have a good experience with you because you you put six months into calling this guy and literally i'm not joking everybody just says fuck you don't ever call me again clam and the next phone call you have to be ready for somebody to say that and and so you get your shot as like a bro a young broker a young professional you're really excited about it because you're watching you know the other trainees in your office win some customers and it's a big competitive environment which is very healthy for sales um but you just you guys in the on the carrier side, just remember that there's normally going to be some margin to work with. So always negotiate every single time, as everybody should. Um, and sometimes it's a firm number, sometimes it's a moving number, sometimes that broker is making twenty bucks for this, and sometimes they're making four hundred bucks for this. So keep that in mind. 
Yeah, no, good to know. And I get and what's tough. Is, so, I mean, we are speaking from the aspect of 10 years ago, and I think and it's still actually similar. Everything you're saying is definitely still how the market runs. Mm-hmm. I think just what upset people is a lot of people didn't know is because rates fell so fast. And mm-hmm. um, like so. So and I could just speak from an example. And there were a lot of guys I talked to where they said, oh, I did this. You know, I did this lane a month ago. And it paid X. And so yeah. they're one. So the the real animosity lately is, is there almost seems an intentional drop mm. of rates by brokers recently. And like I said, you worked in a broker in this 10 years ago. This people have called the past. So COVID was unprecedented as is. Like, so what rates were paying during the pandemic push, like especially summer, once the rates shot back up, that they shot up and they last and it lasted for a long time. The volatility didn't go up and down. It stayed high and remained high for a very long time. And now we're kind of seeing somewhat of a correction, but in a way, and and I've mentioned it before, a record number of motor carriers entered the market last year and uh, the last year and a half. And when there's more carriers, you know, that the rates will obviously drop in that. But I guess people didn't, what happened is people didn't foresee them dropping as is. So they don't know if, you know, they they just think that for them to drop at such a rate that they are, especially as fuel rose, uh, r- fuel prices rose, there there was there and there was no communication about you know th- that's that's why more people wanted that transparency because they're like, wait, the prices at the store is going up, the price of fuel is going up, but how come the price of freight is now dropping? And I think that yeah. that's where guys ran into the issue, and maybe and. You know, may, maybe it is just as you said, may, but maybe it did happen in person. And maybe I, I think it'll just maybe we might not ever get to the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I couldn't speak to like what's going on in the market now and everything. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sad to hear that. I think what people sometimes fail to understand or realize, and most of the folks that are listening to us will get this, but, you know, our, the truck drivers, the men and women behind this are like the backbone of the U.S. and of the U.S. economy, the whole entire thing. And people just don't realize that, it, you know, you go to the grocery store and like that pineapple, that's not in season in North Carolina or that shirt that you bought that wasn't manufactured in your hometown or the computer that you're using, like whatever it is, like I had to get there somehow. And it was, it came off of a truck, right? Whether it came here at one of the ports off of a boat or intermodal stop some or train stop somewhere or air freight from there, it has to be distributed by a truck and there's human beings behind that. And I think people kind of like, unless you're in the industry, if you're driving on the highways a lot and you're seeing a lot of carriers, you just don't kind of like recognize it. I don't think there was anything more like rewarding than one of our customers was in Chicago and they were on the, they were one of the receivers that would buy produce from Mexico and we'd go down at the border, pick it up, ship it up to Chicago and then go visit them at like their produce distribution center. Like we'd see the product right there and be like, holy shit, this just came from Mexico four and a half days ago. Like, and now this is going out to grocery stores in Chicago. You just, don't, you kind of lose, you don't understand like the appreciation for it behind yeah. it. So I'd like to say thank you to you and all the, the men and women out there because it, it is the backbone of, of America. It really is. No, I, I appreciate it, man. And I, I share the same sentiment. Uh, people, people have no idea when it comes to Americans, uh, I mean, our supply chain has its problems, but it is fucking insane. The produce you can get in the middle of December, yes. you know, how, how, that, how that happens, you know, if from anywhere in the country, you can basically yeah. get this stuff and it's wild. And even just the idea of 
just the loads that I'm doing, the, the John, like a John Deere tractor made in Waterloo, Iowa is going to be in South Africa. Probably, yes. probably in a, you know, probably, I don't know when that ship is leaving. I don't, I don't know, right. but within a matter of weeks that John Deere tractor is going to wind up in South Africa. And it's very, you know, it is, it is very cool to, to think about that this stuff. And that's also pretty neat that on that end, you got to see the, uh, the shipping and receiving end, because that's also what I find cool, uh, is when you see, like in my, my dad's always very interested in the freight I'm hauling and where it's going, because it is, it's the, it's the, it's the veins across, yeah. across the sea. And it's interesting to see where stuff goes. Like, I mean, just how stuff's made where it go, even, so there's like, uh, like one load I did because especially because it's where I'm from, but Schick razors, you know, Schick, the yeah, razor brand, yeah. they're, they're, they're made in Milford, Connecticut. And I actually brought a load from outside, outside of Chicago, uh, of metal, uh, that went to Schick and I had no, I, and like, I just, I don't know where they sourced right. the razors yeah. or, or anything. So it was cool to even see something that historically I knew growing up and to be able to be a part of something that was like from my own state. So it is very interesting. Now you mentioned Chicago, it's your favorite city. And I, I know we're running, we're, we're at an hour 12, but th this cool. is, it's good information, but the, right. hopefully people stay till the end. But you, you, did you? So you must have sold freight coming in and out of Chicago. And I, I'm saying stuff that might get me on some people's radar. But there's okay. a lot of, there's a lot of secrets about the Chicago freight market that not a lot mm. of people know about, and a lot of what goes on in the Chicagoland area when it comes to trucking. Because uh, I talked to a lot of owner operators who drive under these guys. There's a lot of Eastern European. Uh, people out of there and uh you know i don't want to say you know there's i i hate to use the term mafia uh yeah. but there's a lot of you know and i don't want to say a specific country so to speak yeah. um i yeah. you know uh one of them is at war right now yeah uh, we uh -huh. could say so there's hey, you ever deal with any you know just to i because i want to know because i know guys who got screwed over because they drove for some got you know uh fly by night guy who has an mc and a couple of you know oh uh, you know oh five freight liners that he's throwing drivers in he's paying them you know 1099ing them you know did you ever deal with any of these kind of any of that you know any kind of cr criminal mafia stuff out of chicago i wouldn't say criminal mafia stuff um i'd say the majority of the carriers i worked with and which was thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands yeah they all blend um, together i'm sure i'm sure I'm yeah they, the they do no i like that um but a lot of um a lot of foreign um citizens in the trucking industry i didn't feel like i was working with too many and i'm not trying to be like you know discriminatory here but like i didn't feel like i was working with too many people who were born and raised in connecticut yeah. Uh, I'm sure that they were born and raised in like a big metropolitan area, but you know, um, there's a lot of folks that probably immigrate over here and then like that's an in industry they're, they're in or their family's in or um, it was a lot of, um, yeah, other cultures, which was really cool because you're talking to these folks every day and you learn their negotiating tactics. So yeah, you got to work with uh, guys like that. That's actually one of the reasons why. So I just wanted to know if you had ever dealt with any, uh, you know, possibly knew. Not any that I can remember on that, but you but, know about it. You know, you know what's going on in that. Yeah, area. you know, there's yeah, stuff. But yeah. it's it's one of the reasons that you just said. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm trying to advocate for the industry. This industry is dominated a lot. There's a lot of women out here. There's a lot of immigrants. There's a lot of veterans. Uh, mm -hmm. Which are yeah. all uh, you know uh, minorities that do get ignored by the government, and. Um, 
So that's one of the reasons why I advocate because a lot of people out here, they don't know uh, what, you know, what should be happening. So, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of Punjabi Indian guys. I mean, yeah, I kind of pay a little bit of homage to that because uh, a lot of these Punjabi guys, they, there was a civil war, I I believe back in India in the eighties or some shit. I I don't know. And a lot of them, you know, came, came to America and just like our families, my family, they came here as, uh, uh, you know, uneducated, probably agricultural immigrants who spoke no English. And, you know, what did Nick and John Lombard do? They got a horse. Yeah. Need, stuff needed to move. It didn't, you didn't matter what language you spoke. They knew stuff needed to go. So they got a, the horse and carriage and made it happen. And it's, it's very cool to see history repeat itself in a way that there are still immigrants who can come here, you know, get themselves a truck and trailer and you yeah, know, keep the American economy going. So that's yeah, that's cool. funny you say that. That's kind of full circle, right? yeah that's kind of full circle like your ancestors came over here and did that and like now you're seeing new people create you know their ancestral tree in america and start a family business and yes a lot of what you just described was the largest majority of my my carriers were uh yeah in that scenario yeah especially if you're dealing with california uh, yeah a lot of california carriers guys out of bakersfield and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, those regions are definitely all those but that's awesome man this is cool so um like you know we're we're running out here tell tell the people where they can find you on the on the internet you know the people where where can they find you instagram yeah yeah let's stick with instagram i like that it'd be uh my first initial c lombard l-o-m-b-a-r-d and the number two c lombard two uh and if you don't file my file follow michael do it it's great it's a great yes. follow you're gonna get inspirational fitness quotes you're gonna get uh updates on where he is throughout the country you're gonna get bathroom reviews you're gonna get can we just end on the bathroom reviews since we started with that yeah and i need to ramp them up and the re and i haven't been doing it because it's uh, especially because i'm getting this going i need to ramp up the bathroom reviews. please i love that that's actually I love oh, that the toilet reviews is, is there's a niche there because... and people need to do it. And I just, that was one of my, that was my number one question for you. So hopefully, you know, a few weeks, months, I can be a repeat guest. Cause I got more for you. Um, bathroom reviews. Like I gotta know more about this. Like best bathroom, worst bathroom average. Like, what are you looking for? Give me like a good scenario. So yeah, the keys things to look for are always what I put out in the, the video. Now yep, I, yep. I, I'm going to, so I'll get to truck stops in a, in a moment, but so like, um, Bucky's for example, probably mm-hmm. has the best restrooms if you've been to a Bucky's, but when it comes to truck stops, I'd say one of the top truck stops that actually has truck parking that I've been at that has had the best bathroom has been the busy B truck stop on interstate 10 in Florida. And they're mm. similar. They're very similar to a Bucky's. Write this down. Um, yeah, right, right down. Busy B. There's, yeah. there's a few of them, and they have truck parking. They are comparable to Bucky's. Now, I think the nicest bathroom I went to that I had rated was at that hotel in New York City, and the, the yes. name of the hotel yes. is escape, escapes me. But uh, <laughs> truck stops overall, uh, Loves probably has the best bathrooms because they have regular cleaning. But things to look for is overall quality going in. Um, the height of the toilet is really opportune because what people don't understand about the height of the toilet is that's why the squatty potty was invented. You know yeah. what I mean? So the, the squatty potty was invented to get your legs, you know, to get your, your knees, knees and legs, you know, below, below 90. Yeah. Uh-huh. You want, you don't, you want 90 degrees or less as you sit for proper that, di- you know, the flow of digestion. So a lower toilet is more ideal. Also, 
is, you know, is there toilet paper? How much toilet paper is in there? I could tell you right now, and I hope there's people still listening this morning at a pilot in, um, ha- ha- um, what's it? Hagerstown, Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. Hagerstown, Maryland off of interstate 68. I was just there this morning in the center stall at a pilot height was medium, no toilet paper. So I had to, so I had to wait until the guys peeing were done to walk to the next stall and use toilet paper. See these, this is why I need need to ramp up the reviews because I need to catch those moments. People know you're coming. They they need to know that you're coming when they see you walk in. They're like, Oh shit. Yes. They need to know. But so the toilet paper definitely matters, but also the flush is important too. Mm. So yeah. the, the flush is also so if it's got like one of these because some a week I have gone into toilets where there's still shit in the toilet and when you flush yeah. it it doesn't move yeah so you need a powerful flush that's like a huge huge thing so the brand of flushometer and I used to work for a plumbing and heating wholesaler so that's okay. the thing I, I worked for a wholesaler FW Web uh, so I sold toilets and so I know flushometers oh, a little bit yes. I, know what's, I know what's good and I know what's bad but then yeah and then the amenities matter too. Like, is it clean? Is the sink all right? And yeah, you know, you're over. How do you feel when you walk into it? So that's kind of what I go off of. You know, the material brand of toilet definitely matters. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like them. I, I love that's how we met. We should definitely leave yes. it there. I definitely love to have you back on very soon. I, 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 I appreciated this, um, especially because I just, I would love to have you on just to know what's going on in your life and what you're doing in software because I do, I definitely want to keep. Um, you know, there's a lot of people our age, especially I got a lot of friends who work in tech and mm. they probably want to know a little bit more about what you're doing and a little bit about life in Charlotte. So, um, you know, with that, you can find Corey, uh, right there on Instagram at C Lombard. And you know, what's crazy whenever I talk to brokers or anything, I always have to spell my last name because for some reason I they do don't too. think of the Lombardi trophy, I you know, know like, which you'd think if you say Lombard, Lombard street. Yeah, there's there's Lombard Street, San Francisco, uh-huh. it's in Baltimore. They'll yeah. always go L U L U all, the, all time. the time. Same. Yeah. So find them on Instagram at C Lombard Two. That's the number two. And uh, with that, man, it was nice talking to you. And, Great talking. Uh, yeah. Be safe out there, man. Appreciate. Yeah. That. Likewise. Thank you very much. Have a good one, folks. Yes, sir.